episode of Black Boy Joy podcast. You're here with me, Ainsley, in London. And, and also with me here, Kieran. And yes, we are very pleased to be joined by Abdul Wadud Mohammed in Akbar, Ghana. He is the Communications Director of LGBT Plus Rights Ghana. Uh, we invited him on the podcast just to have a, a quick kind of like our conversation just about um, LGBT, the LGBT rights in Ghana and obviously everything to do with the heightened media attention it's getting at the moment. So just to spread awareness and just get the, get the word out there. So welcome, welcome to you, Black Boy Joy. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? How is everything going? Um, I, I would say I've been good. I, I'm, I'm good for now. Yeah. Okay, that was okay. like quite a quite a big like quite a big pause. Then like you had to like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know the issue is is crazy, but we're trying. Um, our best to still do it uh, the best way we can. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess what what is the situation now? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, currently, um, aside of all the, the the crazy wave of homophobia we got the past uh, the past month, now we are battling with the bill that um, some MPs are trying to put to Parliament about. Um, they're trying to stop the advocacy for LGBT rights in Ghana, and they're also further trying to criminalize LGBTQ people in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. right, yeah. So that's kind of, um, well, right. So we'll get into that in a moment. I kind of just like, so right now, um, I kind of like wanted to ask about you. So you're, like, I guess you said that you're okay. Like what, like, what is it like? Because obviously in the UK, the main thing that's on there, like dominating the headlines, is the coronavirus and uh, the lockdown that we've all been in. Um, how is that situation with you, like with you in Accra? Uh, the coronavirus had its own way, you know, it, had to, it came with its own problems, sort of community itself, because uh, we are a marginalized group in here, so we barely get any help from the government. So when yeah. we were hit with the coronavirus, we had like, um, we had we we suffered a lot through through the the whole situation because there was a period of time where people were not going to work, people were were, were required to stay home. So we had to we as community leaders had to find a way of reaching out to the community members to make sure they're okay. Um, we had to find resources to get some relief items for them during their stay home and everything. So yeah. the coronavirus has, has been crazy, yeah, for the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I can imagine. So here we're kind of we're in as I said, we're in lockdown. So we're not supposed to really leave the house unless it's for essential reasons. So that's like just to go to work or to get groceries or basically don't go out unless you have to. Is that a similar sort of situation where you are? Yeah, we, we were in a lockdown for, uh, I think, uh, two weeks. And then after that, we were in a partial lockdown for one of the two weeks. And then uh, we had some of, um, we were, so some of our institutions were open and now we don't have we, we don't have really strict closure of something even though we have some recreational centers that are still closed by the um, you know by the president and all of that but um now we have the vaccine too so i believe that after the 
I think a lot of people are vaccinated. More the the measures will be uh, will be less tightened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it's relatively under control, or as under control as COVID can be at the moment. Um, it's a better yeah. situation than the UK, anyway, from what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which isn't difficult. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, I think. Well, here. I think we've like you know when when the cases start like shooting exponentially, we've I think we've passed that we've passed that stage now. So um, mm-hmm. the amount of daily deaths that we've been having has started to decrease by quite a lot. There is like a vaccination program which has like taken full steam in the UK, and I think that's like that is helping us to kind of get back to normal, get back to normal life. But we've been, I think it's on the 5th of January, isn't it, Kieran, that we've been, like, um, in lockdown? Pretty much, yeah. This is this is our third lockdown as well. Yeah, um, so third lockdown. And it's, like, it's been a few months, so we've been going literally stir-crazy. <laughs> like, I've been going stir-crazy anyway, um, in, yeah. like, in our home the, um, the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah. So right, so um, LGBT plus rights Ghana, you um, gave us a bit of information then about the about kind of like the in, increased homophobia in the um, in Africa Ghana. Um, I guess yeah, probably the best way to best way to begin is like try to understand like like what happened or have there been an increased amount of homophobia now compared to like before. Yeah, yeah. Um, the homophobia we're experiencing now is um, it's crazy. We we for for a moment back then we thought that um, Ghanaians were progressive, you know, because we've been in spaces and we we as LGBT plus rights Ghana have uh, we have been very public with whatever we do. So um, in our minds, we thought Ghanaians are like progressive and probably the 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 um. They are a little bit, you know, they're accepting or something of that sort. But then, unfortunately, when this whole thing started, that is when we we saw that it was all a farce, I think. It was mm-hmm. more like um, now that it's a public um, um, issue, everybody is, is taking uh, this time to just come out and, and spread out their homophobia freely. And that also is largely because we have people in power endorsing such homophobia. So um, that is what we're experiencing right now in Ghana. Right. I'm so sorry to hear that. So um, LGBT plus white Ghana, your charity, is that correct? Yes. So um, like, uh, what is the, what, when did the organization set up? Kind of like, what is it like, what is your main focus? Yeah, so uh, we started off as a cyber activism group, LGBT right, uh, plus rights Ghana started off as a cyber activism group. We felt that um, in as much as there have been uh, years of advocacy for LGBTQ plus, uh, for LGBTQ rights Ghana in, in Ghana, we felt there was no visibility and uh, we felt that it was time for us to have that visibility because even during that time when, when there were advocacy, there were we were facing so much um, 
we're facing so much abuses we're facing so much as a community so mm -hmm. we felt like if uh if we are able to um bring out these things that we're going through to the public then the general public will know what we are going through and how we are being marginalized how we are being discriminated against and then we'll take it from there but so in 2018 that is when we st we, we started this group this movement mm -hmm. and we've been public with it ever since we because we, we started off as a cyber um cyber activism group, everything of ours just, um, it was mainly on social media. So social yeah. media was like our basic tool to um, disseminate messages, to teach the public, to reach out to other community members and all of that. So through that, we were able to get a lot of um, community members who didn't even know that there was a community, who didn't know that there was a, there was a, um, a group of people like them and all of that. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, we decided to have a signature program called uh, the, the Here and Beyond, which we do every month, the last Sunday of every month, where we have community members coming together, we learn, we socialize, we talk about the issues affecting the community and how we can rectify these uh, problems and all of that, how we can get solutions to that. Mm -hmm. So it was a thing that we've been doing since 2018. Um, so fast forward to 2021, January, um, we had some funding from um, a group that we we partnered with in Sweden called the RFSU. They they helped us in getting um, a space, the community space. So mm -hmm. we decided to outdoor the community space to the community for them to know that there is a space for them now where they can come access some services, some legal services, some uh, a, a, a little bit of social economic services, a little bit of uh, you know a place where they can belong. So we did that and then uh, we put them out on our social media as usual because it was something we usually do. So after we had the, the, uh, the program to outdoor the, the community center that we recently got, the week later, the images and the videos that we took during the launch got into the media space by the help of the an anti-LGBTQ coalition here in Ghana called the National Coalition for Proper Human Rights, Sexual Rights and Family Values. It's a long name. I don't know. The name is very long. So um, yeah, they took it up into the media and then they formed their own stories around um, the community center we opened. So we decided to set the record straight in the middle because it was getting so much attention. So we didn't want any negative narrative out there. So we decided to... Um, reply with the communique to set uh, things straight. So after we replied with the communique, I think that was when they they had, um, because, you know, so previously, whenever they come at LGBTQ people in the country, nobody pushes back, you get me? So uh, they felt comfortable that way. But with us, when we put out the communique, I, I think it felt like, oh, these people are now like growing wings and they're pushing back or whatever, you see. Mm -hmm. So that was when it became serious. So this coalition actually has so many um, religious leaders as members. They had the Catholics, they had the Presbyterians, they had the, the Pentecostals and all of that. Even they had the traditional chiefs in, in addition, they had the Islamic leaders. So it's a, it's a whole coalition that comes together with all these people that um, are against LGBTQ people. So they decided to now push it forward. And now the individual churches started putting out 
open letters and started putting out communiques and all of that against LGBTQ, which now, you know, these people also have like huge congregations around the country and all of that. So that was where the intense backlash and the homophobia started. So now the public, the general public had every, every reason to be as homophobic as they could because their leaders were being homophobic too. Um, so from there forward, the media continued um, covering the news about LGBTQ and decided inviting us for interviews. And we thought that probably it is the right time for us to have that conversation in Ghana because it's never, um, they never talk about it. Whenever there is a there is an issue of LGBTQ, they just like sweep it under the rug, and then after three days, it's gone. But this time around, it was it was going on and on. So they wanted somehow they felt like they wanted to hear our side of the story, or I don't know the agenda they set. So they decided to engage us in the media, and uh, we decided to also do so. So our decision was to use that platform to educate Ghanaians more on how the LGBT community is, what it is about, and what we stand for. But unfortunately, that didn't work out really well because the media found a way of twisting whatever it is that we do there. Mm. Because we we go in there and there is a panel of, um, you can invite just one person from the LGBTQ community and you have four other people from the churches and from the people against LGBTQ. So. It was, we were never heard during those times. So at a point we decided to stop engaging the media altogether because if you wanted to hear our narrative, this is not how you're gonna go with it. So um, yeah. we decided to stop engaging with the media. And then that was when we started also having some solidarity messages from the diaspora. So uh, the decision was for us to rather engage foreign media when they reach out so that they can tell the stories as it is. So that yeah. has been what we've been doing since. So at this point, we've stopped engaging with local media. And they, yeah. they always find a way to um, create their own stories by going to our pages. Whenever we, we update, they just that they're picking it and they're making news around it. And that has been the situation till now, yeah. Sounds like, from what you're describing, like a, a sort of typical setup. Um, I mean, as I've said a lot, but like, it's, it's shocking that there's an actual anti-LGBT coalition in the first place. Um, and then with the media appearances, from what you're saying, you like, if, if your organization is trying to get the message out, then it's sort of, it's set up to fail and then the media's on your side. So there's been some help from international media. Um, yeah. Uh, with, the, with, the, with the coalition, uh, have they actually even made it clear what they want, what their aim is at all? Or is it, is it just, uh, I don't know, just, just an organization of hate, really. What, what do they actually, what are they trying to achieve? Do they, do they say or? Yeah, so first of all, they, their demands was for the government to shut down the center when, when you know, it went up. And then later on, they, they demanded that we, the activists, the frontline activists should be arrested for putting up an LGBTQ center in, in Accra. And all this is because they, uh, saying that LGBTQ people are evil and we are bringing the curses of Sodom and Gomorrah to the country. Yeah, so as lame as that sounds, that is actually what Ghanaian populists believe. They believe that we are coming to end the country. Mm -hmm. So mm. The, the job of the coalition is just one and one only, just to destroy the LGBTQ community. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's really interesting from what you were saying before, you mentioned that you having, like you trying to engage with the media on a local or national level. And I think it's like, um, what you've been saying, it kind of sounds like to me as in like, um, the outlets that you would have engaged with would have had their own agenda anyway. So it's like kind of similar to what Kevin was saying, kind of like they, like no matter what you, no matter what it is that you do or say, they already have the idea and everything you do will like will try to fit into that, which I think is um is actually really not what media is supposed to be. Like, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. just a balanced reporting of things or of events or things. So if it's yeah. pushing a kind of narrative um against LGBT people, that is just like wholly, wholly unacceptable. So mm-hmm. since yeah. there, since there's been such like backlash from it sounds like from quite like quite prominent groups in in Ghana. Has that affected like the day to day of of like just uh, regular LGBT people in um, in Ghana? It has been crazy. Um, in this short period of time, we've had so many reports of abuses and people um, losing their jobs. LGBTQ people losing their jobs and. We've had people thrown out of their homes. This is largely because um, when it so happened, the media, when we stopped engaging them, they decided to scour through our social media to um, to get um, videos and pictures of whatever it is that we did. And everything that we did had the community members in there. So they just like post them on uh, videos in all in the, in the quest of news or something. And so a lot of people were outed in that, in, during that time. And so people were faced with, um, you know, the whole homophobia that comes with being outed unexpectedly, especially in a homophobic country. So yeah, with the community, and then some people had to relocate because um, the, the areas where they were was very, very dangerous. So we had to relocate some people, some people had to, now some people are jobless, obviously I said that earlier. And we are, we are facing so many things. So the community currently is not safe at all in the country. And the continuous homophobia too is really not helping at all. Yeah. It's like, sounds like really, really horrible to hear. It's, it um, is very horrible. Yeah. When we first started, um, started speaking, I guess because we're Westerners, so we're based in the UK. And I think when we think about Ghana, we always think about it, like I said, you mentioned the word progressive. And I think if I had to think of it, I would have said that I would have used that same word as well to, um, to describe, I guess, from what we see of the country. But when it comes to like LGBT people or LGBT rights in the country, it just sounds like it's just so not, that's not the case at all, um, which is not really um, upsetting to hear. Um, in terms of the LGBT community yeah. itself, like, um, I was wondering, like, how, like, um, like, is it quite, is it quite a diverse group? Are, um, are there quite a few members, or is it quite grassroots? Yeah. So, as uh, aside LGBTQ plus rights Ghana, there has there are other organisations that um, work for the community. We have other people that. Um, are specific to what they do. We have organizations that cater for just trans trans women and men. We have organizations that cater for queer women. We have organizations that cater for um, queer Muslim women and queer Muslim folks and all of that. So it's a very diverse community here in Ghana. And Mm -hmm. um, 
we have so many people coming together to make up this LGBTQ um, folks here in Ghana. So yeah, we have, we have quite a number across uh, board in the country. And there are other people who haven't really found the community, or should I say now that they found the community is too dangerous for them to reach out because of what is happening. So um, I believe that maybe in the near future we'll be able to come together, then people would see um, the, the, the magnitude of the number of, you know, that we have as a community. Yeah. yeah. And you yourself, so um, you work as the communications director um, for, the, for the charity. Um, what is like your day-to-day? -day? Like, what is your uh, role in it? It sounds like a job interview. I don't mean to sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like a job interview. It's actually like a fair question, though, because um, when this whole thing happened now, uh, it's kind of fell in my office because we are confronted with PR, we are confronted with the messaging that we're gonna take out there. We are supposed to, um, um, we're supposed to look at what is happening out there and that, that would inform our strategies in here and mm -hmm. all of that. So the, my department or my job as a communications director is supposed to listen to all of this noise Currently, that is what my job is also on. I listen to all of the noise and then I, um, I have to coin some kind of next steps or what to do next. Looking at all the things that are happening, taking into consideration the community members, the safety of the community members. So the actions that we're going to take next, how is it going to impact the community members? How is it going to um, advance the cause for LGBTQ rights? How is it going to look like for the general public, because at this point we don't even have the favor of the general public. So my job literally is about everything that is happening now. Mm -hmm. And so my department ever since this happened has been working tirelessly. We've not had a break. We've been working mm -hmm. over and over because we feel like now we are confronted with the reality of what we are supposed to do, what we are supposed to achieve. So we need, we need to pull up, we need to do this. It's like a once in a lifetime, not a once in a lifetime, but like a once in a long time coming situation. So we have to do something about it to get the best out of it. So uh, that is what I'm working on right now. But generally, I am, uh, generally it goes in that same regard. As minus this, this, um, minus this situation, I am supposed to, know what is supposed to go out there from the from the organization i'm supposed to know what what it is that would be good for the community i'm supposed to know what what the type, the type of tone the type of voice that is appropriate for a, a specific time what we are going to post out there how the impact is going to have you know so that is what my job revolves around in the movement mm -hmm. okay um, and so, uh, so how, God, let me start that again, sorry. <laughs> 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 My old question was supposed to be like, I just, I always feel that like people who do like activist work, man, I always kind of want, want to find out kind of like what made you want to get into this lane? Because it's one thing kind of like being, um, you see, it sounds to me that you're, you're a queer man in Ghana, 
you're mm-hmm. a queer man kind of who's oh it seems like you're openly queer is that correct yes yes yeah um, and you're and you're in and you're a queer openly uh, openly queer person in ghana doing activist work so i was wondering exactly. like what was it that what was it that made you want to do that yeah so i i think the past week just last week i wrote extensively on that um on global citizen you know one of the magazines out there um it, it, it has been a journey for me to get here as an activist Mm-hmm. Because uh, growing, I was born here in the country. I grew up here. I surprisingly enough, I've not even gone out of the country yet. But growing up in this country, I felt I've come. I've met so many things. I've I've gone through so many things that um, wasn't really fair to me or to any other queer people, queer person that has gone through something. So um, my, I think my, my tipping point for this, for me, whatever made me want to go into activism is the fact that after, after school, after uni, I, I became a writer. Even though I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't, my certificate wasn't in writing or English or anything. I, my certificate was in computer science, but, yeah, I am. I'm nerdy. I'm geeky and all of that. But <laughs> somehow, <laughs> yes. But somehow, I found passion in writing. So I was writing for this magazine, this entrepreneurial magazine. I was writing passion content for it. And um, one time, I had this um, opportunity to be in a in a um, in a workshop, and the workshop centered around. Um, an LGBTQ survey that was done. So we, we were just in, at the workshop trying to, um, and it was for media personnel back then. Um, so during that workshop, when it came to the topic of LGBTQ, we were checking into a survey and the questions were asked. I could feel that the homophobia from my other, um, you know, my other, the, the other attendees of the workshop. They, they were really, they were giving up bigoted remarks and, and hateful comments just because um, the workshop centered around LGBTQ. So, um, but before that, I have been in a lot of uh, spaces. I've been in a lot of community spaces that we talk, we share, and the, the kind of trauma, the kind of experiences that queer people go through in this country was so heavy to me. It was. I have personally been through something and I've been through a lot of things, but at a point I was, I took to myself to not go through those things again. So I, I kind of built my own security, um, coined my own security measures for myself that I don't go through such things anymore. So I asked myself, I reflected on myself, I'm like, what can I do with all this skill set that I have? What can I do to make it better for myself and for, the community, because we are humans too, we're Ghanaians. We, we do everything that the average Ghanaian do. But then when it comes to this, we are seen as little or we are seen as second-class citizens, which is not fair. We are not protected. Uh, we are abused all the time. And then when we go to the, the, when we decide to follow up on the abuses, it gets to a dead end. Nobody is, is, is um, 
nobody's apprehended. All these things, nothing is happening. And then we are constantly being victimized. We've been through so many things as a community and nobody cares, nobody bats an eye. There are instances where people are beating on camera. People are dehumanized on camera. And then it's out there. It's sent on social media. It goes out. People just mock it, laugh, laugh at these abuses. And nothing is done. Nothing at all. So all these things came together. And I was so mad. I'm like, no, something has to change. Something has to happen. Because we can't continue being like this. And this is a modern times where we've seen how it is in other countries where people have fought for their freedom. People have fought, like people like us have fought for their rights. So why can't we do the same here in Ghana? We deserve mm -hmm. to be free. We deserve to be protected just like every other citizen. So that was the, the, the tipping point for me. And that was when I decided to be an activist, to speak, to, um, to propagate the voice of the community. People have to know. People mm -hmm. need to know what is happening. So that was it for me. We'll see. And since you've been doing it, since you've been like well into act activism, I'm wondering, you've mentioned safety concerns. Like, have there been any concerns for, concern for you being like so visible, visible and out there as a, as a queer activist? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned earlier, um, Accra, just like every other um, capital city, it's more, um, I would say that in Accra, it's a little bit safer to be queer in a crowd, well, some parts of a crowd than in the remote areas. Because um, in a crowd, you get a, a mixture of cultures, especially foreign ones who come into the country and there are these spaces where you can be, the people are exposed to um, queerness, people are exposed to, uh, you know, the culture of queerness. So it's easier for you to be in, a, in some parts of a car and be queer. So mm -hmm. my security measures was to be in such spaces where I know that these spaces wouldn't be heavy for me to be. These spaces wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be deadly for me to be in. So I chose the spaces that I go to um, sometimes, too, I choose the mode of transportation that I take instead of maybe picking a public transport. Because as an openly gay man, I'm also a little bit effeminate, right? And effeminacy is always, um, it's always linked to being gay. So mm -hmm. my movement is also something that I take into consideration. I do not pick uh, public transportation a lot of times. Uh, so all of these security measures I take for myself, they're... There are so many other things that I took into consideration and that will have to also have to be intimidation. Somehow I have been able to make myself, uh, how would I put it? I place myself in a position of a little bit of a privileged man. So there are some things that you can't do to me that you might do to an average care person. So these are some of the measures that I took personally, to keep myself safe in this country, yes. Mm -hmm. I see. It sounds wild, yeah. <laughs> it is It is very wild here in Ghana, very, very wild. Yeah. For, um, sorry, for, for, um, for, for the organisation, um, Abdul, do you have any 
Well, I guess I can sort of imagine what your long-term goals are. Are there any sort of short-term goals that you have in mind, um, just maybe personally or, um, or, or sort of the organization? Yeah, some of the short-term goals was what, you know, happened and then uh, unfortunately this happened. Uh, one of our short-term goals was to be able to create spaces for queer people where they belong, where they, they can find help, where they know that they are not rejected. They know that there is a community they can fall back on. So those are some of, the, some of our short-term. Um, and then also one of it was also to let Ghanaians know to be as visible as, as possible so that mm. people would know what we're going to. So these are some of the short-term goals that we, we have and we are, con- we are continuing on that same path. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering, so that, let's say, um, for instance, like if you are a young Ghanaian man, let's say, and you uh, you have some concerns about like sexual health or anything like that. Um, where, like, what would I do? Well, like, say if I was a young Ghanaian man and I and I needed to speak to someone or needed to have like any help with like sexual health screens, either that sort of like resources like um, out there for people to use. Yeah, uh, for the the past uh, years we've had some kind of um, health interventions. Uh, largely from international institutions, something like that. Some, some like the USAID, the, the Global Funds, the, uh, all of these people through uh, public health, help the community in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So we, and then we have care-friendly um, clinics that we've identified for community members. So uh, Partly myself, uh, I was part of the few, the first people to start pushing for prep to to get prep uh, to let people get access to prep. So when it came to the country, I was um, able to let the community know that we have prep now. So if you want it, come to me and I'll direct you there. So um, these are some of the things that personally I do. So I have loads of community members that come to me with their problems. Oh, Mo, I have this. Um, can you help? Then I tell you, like, okay, yeah, there is this clinic, there is this nurse. When you go there, call this nurse. Tell her that I sent you and you'll be sorted. So there is there are some health interventions for queer people in the country that pass off um, as part of the public health, uh, whatever it is that is in the country. So mm-hmm. people, queer people get access to these, but then as usual, they can't publicly go for it. So they have to pass through such channels that have been built for them to get it because it's not freely. So sometimes when you go to some clinics that are not queer friendly, they are not going to give you those services. So you would have to come to people like us to direct you to where you can get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, was, I was about to ask actually about um how how you manage the need for discretion but you, you just said there um at the end because I, I was i was thinking if, about going to a clinic and obviously people will ask questions of you know you know who you sleep with to try and sort of filter what kind of treatment you need or sort of um what kind of conditions to maybe look out for or that, that people possibly might have um but it's good that you're looking out for that service to sort of put, point people in the right direction where they can go and there's not really any kind of judgment or sort of safety concerns about having to expose parts of themselves that might not be safe to, to expose, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, I was going to ask the same for, so like, um, if they are anyone who is experiencing any, anything to do with their gender, like um, where could they go? Is, um, is, there, is there services that are out there for them? There, currently, there are no medical interventions for trans people in the country. Um, trans people don't have access to, to um, the, the medication that they need uh, to transition or to... There, there is no intervention whatsoever, whatsoever for trans people in the country. So most of the trans people that I know in the country um, ship their medication. Some of them ship their medications from uh, countries that have these medications. Mm-hmm. As to how they're able to get um, them, I do not know. But then I know that some trans people go through all this, um, all this hustle to get their medication in the country. Yeah. And um, so is there even, so is there even any sort like maybe they can get like impartial advice or any support on, um, on like any gender issues that they might have? No, none, none that I know of. I know of um, I know of a trans uh, a transgender led uh, organization. Um, I'm trying to get their name. Sorry, it's not coming to me. Um, ADI, I think it's ADI. It's called something for Dynamic Initiative. I'm sorry, I can't remember the, what the A stands for. So they are strictly trans-led and they, are, uh, they deal with trans issues. So most of the transgender um, problems or situations or issues, we channel it through there. And also when they come to us, we channel it to them. So they are more interested in the issues of transness and all of that. So they give um, some sort of um, counseling for to trans people because uh, it's because the leaders in there are also trans people who are who have been exposed to trainings and workshops and all of that from outside the country, and they come back and then they they um, they use that to, they use that knowledge they've acquired to um, teach their, their the trans community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. So yeah, so oh yeah, I remember it's it's called Alliance for Dynamic Initiative. Yes, that's it. Okay. I was I was going to ask Abdul like um, for, for those of us who obviously aren't there on the ground in Ghana, um, or anyone listening, is there anything we can do to sort of help or donate or what kind of is there any kind of outreach that we can do? Yeah, currently what we require from the from international people and from the diaspora for people to speak up. So something like the way you've just given me a platform to talk about the issues, these are something that we would expect. Um, this is some of the help that we, we would want and expect from the international platforms and also from mm-hmm. local people who, local allies too. So we want to talk about, so we want people to know that the queer community is here and it has mm-hmm. always been here and it's not going anywhere. And mm-hmm. um, that, that, is, that is our first um, um, request, that everybody should speak up on whatever it is that is happening currently. Because um, my, I know that the activism that I do is uh, it's one crazy, crazy field. But the past few months, my life has changed tremendously that I can't go back to my old life. Because at this point, 
we've been moving from one space to the other due to greater reasons. We can't be in the public sphere, so we've been working from wherever we are. So we, we want everybody to speak up. We do not want this moment to pass without us having a win. We yes. have to win. We yeah. have to win. Also, um, we are still holding on to our promise to the community members of building a community center. So the first one that we had was rented. That is why we couldn't have um, enough power over it. But this time around, we are looking at building our very own community center that is going to belong to the Ghanaian community, the Ghanaian LGBT community, and that cannot be taken away from the government because we own it. Um, so we've uh, created a GoFundMe in that regard. So if you want to donate to that, you can go to our social media pages. Um, Instagram is at LGBT Rights Ghana. You would find the link in our bio, and then you can donate there. On Twitter too, at LGBT Rights Ghana, um, the pinned tweet is the link to the GoFundMe, and on Facebook too, equally it's there. So that is how you can equally help to for us to build our very own um, community center mm -hmm. as we are looking forward to opening more community centers around across the country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's good. So um, you're saying so there's a link to the GoFundMe account that's on Instagram, on Twitter, is that correct? Yeah, it's on Instagram, uh, on our in our bio on Instagram, and on Twitter, it's, it's our pinned tweet. So, okay. uh, yeah, if you check our page, our, our page on, on Instagram, the first tweet, the pin tweet is the link to the bio. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And it's at LGBT oh, Rights Ghana, was it? The, the yeah, at it? LGBT Rights Ghana. Right, thank you. Okay, perfect. Um, the GoFundMe, we will make sure it's on our show notes. Um, so all of our listeners, if they hear it and they're on Spotify or Apple Podcast or anything like that, um, they should be able to follow that link and go directly so you can so um, people can donate there. Um, I imagine now, so um, one of the reasons, like over here in the UK, um, we've heard so, um, through, through like national or international media, the information I would say has been quite light. There have been one, um, one or two articles in, um, in like our national, like our national newspapers. But apart from that, all of the information that I've gotten about what's going on in Ghana has been through social media, through um, through Instagram or Twitter. Is that the same for you, Kieran? Um, pretty much, yeah. And it's it's um, it's mainly being sort of black people are following Twitter as well. I didn't see yeah. anything. I didn't yeah. really see any media. Maybe one article when I looked for sort of media coverage, I didn't see much. But it was it was sort of word of mouth um, mm -hmm. through sort of the black community on Twitter that I was aware of it. Other mm -hmm. than that. If, if, if I hadn't found it via, via that, then I'd, I'd be absolutely um, clueless. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And I think, as like I said, as LGBT people ourselves, as um, two queer, two queer black men, like we've made, like we've said before that like, we've always wanted to visit Ghana. Um, mm -hmm. If it wasn't for the, the situation with the pandemic, we might have even been making plans to go. And mm -hmm. like, we just would not have been aware at all about a situation like this. Yeah, yeah. Is why it's so important that you have this. you have the platform. You have the time and space where you can speak on issues like this. Yeah, absolutely. So we're all aware um, of 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 what's going on and how we can help. So um, we are really grateful for you to coming on. 
um, yeah. Abdul. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Um, I believe I've said everything, I guess. I don't know. But all I want to say is thank you guys so much. Like, thank you, thank you so much for this. Um, I, I really um, appreciate the platform. Yeah. And for me, to, for, for, for you creating this content, for people to listen, to hear what is happening to us here. And for people yeah. to know exactly what Ghana is for what it is. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank, well, thank you for joining us and um, sort of giving us all this information and, and having a chat. Um, we'll, we'll do all we can to get the word out there on our channels yeah. and our platform as we can. Thank you. I agree. Um, are there any are there any other social media links that you want to um, that you want to get out there now before we end? Social media links. Yeah. So, like, do you have your own social media that um, that you like? You oh, yeah. My personal. Yeah, my personal me- uh, social media. I am not on Facebook, mm-hmm. but I am on Twitter. Uh, I am it's at Abdul Wajid Mo sixteen. I think I don't really put that until in yeah. my mind but then you can search for the QRS. um i think when you search for the QRS, it's gonna come up uh that is my my profile on um on twitter but on on instagram you can search for at m underscore a w a d u d so it's more like my name but i just like redid it somehow so mm-hmm. at m underscore a w a d u d that is my Instagram. Okay. Yeah. I mean, any, any, we'll, we'll put as many links as we can in our material that we've sort of published in the, in the coming days uh, to make sure you link yeah. to the, and the people can connect to you if they, if they want to do so. Great. That's a mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I don't want to end it on such a heavy note. So I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do for fun? Do you do anything for fun? Oh, I, I like a lot of movies. I, I watch a lot of movies. I think the current one that I I watched was Wonder Vision. I don't know if you've watched that. No, Wonder Vision. Yeah, Wonder. Oh, oh Wonder Vision. I've, oh. I've heard people talk about it. Um, yeah, seen myself. So yeah, yeah, that that is the, 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 my recent watch, and it's amazing. I I I am not quite the Marvel fan, but mm-hmm. I'm more mm-hmm. of a DC fan. But I really do um, like. I appreciate a good storyline in the movie. So mm. Wonder Vision did it for me. Yes. So my so I've watched the first three episodes of Wonder Vision. And yeah. I just re- for the life of me, I can't get into it. So like <laughs> my like my boyfriend, he like he binged it, he watched it all in like two days or something. And it's really like everyone on gay Twitter is speaking about it. And I just don't know what it is about it, but I personally I just can't get into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. I think I felt the same way when I started watching it too, and because um, I didn't, I didn't get the context with what 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 was happening. Because I, yeah. because of this whole situation, I haven't really um, paid attention to whatever. But I kept seeing it on social media and people talking about Wonder Vision, Wonder Vision. I'm like, wait, what is happening with Wonder and Vision? So yeah. I went to, yeah, I decided to be like, you know what, let me just go watch it yeah. so i started watching them like is it supposed to be a sitcom how did they make one ambition into a sitcom like yeah. is there a pretext hmm. something but then move i i think after the third episode you you start getting the 
the idea of it, you start getting into the real story. So, right. so Ainsley, continue watching, you'll get it. It's really a good <laughs> Continue watching it. Don't back down now. <laughs> See, the thing with me is that, like, so what, um, if I'm Marvel or DC, I'm 100% Marvel. Um, the X Men no. is my shit. I oh, love X Men so much. Ooh, yeah. Love X Men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love X Men too. I love it. I think that like you, always, I always talk about things that made me gay, and um, <laughs> um, Storm and so, yeah, Storm from X Men, and you know yeah. Rogue, the um, the mutant who had like the long like brownish red hair and that white streak. Yeah. Um, there was a cartoon X-Men animated series that used to come on when I was like five or six or whatever and mm. I was obsessed mm. I was obsessed with her <laughs> well, she, had, she used to wear those, she had those yellow marigolds didn't she those yeah. Used to wear. yeah she did um, yeah. And she, she used to have like the skin type like green um, the green outfit mm, yeah <laughs> so the big, the big hair like, the southern belle isn't it yeah, yeah. I mean, she, was, like, a <laughs> she wasn't taking any shit from anyone <laughs> <laughs> She called everyone, called everyone okay, sugar, but, didn't she, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who is it for you now? So, well, Storm. So, yeah, and so Storm is my number one. Storm and Rogue are my number one. But Rogue isn't in the movie, in, in the movie canon. She's, she's not in them now, is she? But she was no, in them. Yeah. She was and it was her. a very... She was very weak in the movie, so she didn't have Miss Marvel's powers, did she? Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was just she was a bit, she, I don't know, it was just a bit pointless, really. And she's more of a victim than a supervillain, as a yeah. hero. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. More yeah. Hero, but. I said, if you were fuck with as well, um, there is you know, Mystique, what yeah, the original yeah. Mystique, the original not, Mystique, yeah, not, not Jennifer not Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Rebecca Romijn, is it? The she, Rebecca Romijn, yeah. No one, no well, one can top the role after did her. Well, though. Jennifer no, Chitton did well, though. Jennifer Chitton did well. Her heart wasn't in it, man. She yeah. wasn't. And I think also Rebecca, is it Romijn, say her name? She, Romijn, yeah. She set the bar very high. She made Mystique, like, sexy and just genuinely mysterious and a bit freaky. Yeah. Um, and she barely spoke as well. Mm-hmm. With Jennifer Lawrence, it, it felt too Jennifer Lawrence-y, her yeah. sort of interpretation of Mystique. <laughs> Um, I completely agree. <laughs> but she had a tough act to follow, I guess. But, uh, yeah. I do not agree. I do not agree. I'm quite a big <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence fan, and I feel like she really bodied the role. So no, I do not agree. So nothing, like nothing, like nothing against Jennifer Lawrence. I, I like, <laughs> like her. She's great in Hunger Games. But Mystique, like Mystique, is only there's only one Mystique, and that's like, it's like Catwoman. Yeah. Um, like mm-hmm. oh, so, so many people have tried to play Catwoman, and for me, it's either Eartha Kitt or Michelle Pfeiffer. Nobody else can play. Nobody else can play the character. I don't think I've seen Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. I need to. I need to check that out because she, well, she was bonkers, wasn't she? Eartha Kitt was like in the best yeah. of ways. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when um, Batman Returns, like when they had um, had Michelle Pfeiffer up in that like. S&M gear that likes banding mm. with like figure hugging. It, it could have been any tighter in it. Yeah. I, I think I watched that over Christmas. And she has the whip, doesn't she? And like yeah. she has she has yeah. so many ridiculous so many ridiculous lines like um when she's fighting Batman and he's going easy on her and then he boxes her and she goes, How could you? I'm a woman. <laughs> like, just like there's so many, there's so many different lines in it. It's, it's like it's it's ridiculous, but it's actually still the test of time. It's still kind of funny now, I think. 
I yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I prefer that. Yeah, I prefer that. The one thing about female superheroes, especially in movies, like you can always tell that they're be they're, they're written by a man. Mm-hmm. And I think with Michelle Pfeiffer's character, she was allowed to be like just a bit crazy and just a bit like out there, which which I like. Like, okay, yeah. but dismantle <laughs> the patriarchy. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> and like my main criticism for um like for Wonder Woman is that she doesn't go far enough for me. Like it's too like it's too it's too plain. Like I wanted to see her and all the Amazons like literally like ripping men's balls off. And like swinging them around and using them and like just being just so aggressive, like so aggressive, and like really is, taking our prisoners. Is it any think, good? I, I, I first one. I haven't seen any. Well, I don't know. I don't think I've seen any Wonder Woman at all, actually, ever. But I don't. This is probably one of the Marvel characters I know the least about. But I haven't watched any of the films. Um, yeah, oh. the films are good. I think that the first Wonder Woman was really good. Gal, Gal did her thing. But then the second one, I expected more or something. And it was good, I'm not going to lie. Like, that is a Wonder Woman 1984, I think. It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, she, it did it for me. But uh, I think I expected more. Like, you know, when it comes to DC, this just so good with the animated series. I don't know why they can translate that into the, the, the movies. It's weird. I think it's to do with the fandom. I think because like it's such an institution and there are so many people behind it, I I think that people who go to see it want to see a certain thing. And I think that mm-hmm. gets the way that gets in the way of creative decisions that they make on it. I'm saying that like I'm a DC yeah. expert and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only like I've never been I've never been into DC much at all. Like not Marvel's completely conscious. I love Marvel, but DC, um, it's probably what well, it's always been Batman, really, like the cartoons growing up. Like, I was never particularly interested in Superman, the Justice League. Like, I, it just doesn't slap for me. I think it's always been either DV or Marvel, and Marvel, in my head, has blown DC out of the water. I'll just say, though, I've, I've never been like a comic book fan. Like, I've never bought comics or anything, just for anyone out there who's like a serious, like, comic head. But yeah, maybe that would give, give, give me a different experience. But it's just been like sort of TV shows and films, I'm, I'm going off. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I well, I completely agree with that. I, well, I just want to. I stopped watching them. I stopped watching them because they were just about Batman and Superman, and that was um that was basically it. And I just got tired of the format. So yeah, yeah, Marvel for me <laughs> as well. But um, anyway, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are Black Boy Joy Podcast. We. Available to stream on all good platforms, um, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, if you like any content, then please follow, subscribe, rate. Um, you can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts and tell us what you think. Um, you can also send any... Um, what am I trying to say, Q? <laughs> you can send any, queries, any feedback. Series. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feedback, queries, comments, questions, all of that. Yeah, to blackboyjoypodcast um, uh, <laughs> at gmail.com. But um, for now, yeah, thank you so much to Abdul for taking some time out to speak to us. Uh, thank, thank you, Abdul. So thank you.